Congratulations! You've made it all the way to episode 16 of the Unmasking the Abuser podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Dina McMillan. I'm a social psychologist and a domestic violence expert. I'm also the author of a book on abusive manipulation called, But He Says He Loves Me. In our last episode, I promised I'd share the general information from my Circles of Intimacy material. As a reminder, my Circles of Intimacy is a simple and important test that I developed. I put it together because most of us have wondered about our genuine feelings for our nearest and dearest. Usually we think about this after an upset of some kind. At other times, we've wondered just how much our nearest and dearest really feel about us. Do their I love yous translate into consistent action that make us feel loved? Do they never say I love you, but their behavior leaves no doubt in our minds how much they care? Back when I was doing relationship consulting, I found it useful to help my clients figure out where they stand with the people in their lives before we started considering ways to improve their relationships. I developed a simple set of questions to help them figure it out. This simple test will help you recognize how much you really feel and let you know how much others care for you. Don't worry you don't have to share the results, but it will help you with any relationships that feel imbalanced or uncomfortable. After we go through the questions and you have time to think about your answers, we'll discuss what to do if you discover you have some dramatic relationship mismatches in your life. Before we get there, though, I feel I have to respond to something that happened recently. I was respectfully disagreeing with someone on social media. She works in domestic violence and mentioned this fact before she disagreed with me. That means she has authority and influence not only at her job, but in her opinions. It means others are also more likely to listen and believe what she says when she states an opinion online. She had commented, that some abusers seem perfectly normal until their partner becomes a girlfriend or wife. At that point, their fangs come out and these women suddenly realize they've become involved with an abuser. She was getting a lot of likes for this statement. I disagreed wholeheartedly. I've interviewed thousands of victims and survivors, most of whom would also have agreed with her. Some describe their early relationships as normal, while others, many others, went so far as to describe their early relationships as perfect. Yet when I interviewed these women in depth, it was evident that there were warning signs that this guy was an abuser very early in the relationship, often the first few times they got together. The women, however, had no clue how important these signs really were. That's where the information I offer in Unmasking the Abuser comes in. The women I've interviewed, these victims and survivors, didn't see what these men were, not because there were no indicators, 
but because no one had taught them how to recognize and qualify these early warning signs. That's why I describe these signs in detail in this podcast series, in my books, and in my in-person education seminars and workshops. I'm not suggesting these women weren't intelligent or capable. This isn't about victim blaming. If you've listened to the other episodes, you know I don't do that. Yet nothing in our early training teaches girls and women to be on the lookout for signs of a potential abuser. No one alerts women that some of abusers' early moves can seem wonderful if you haven't been taught that men who move too quickly, who do too much, and who keep making promises of happily ever after are someone to look out for, not to get closer to. The harm of thinking like that woman online is that she's teaching her beliefs to others. Anyone who believes that way is completely vulnerable. If you think this way, you won't believe that you need to be on your guard. You won't pay attention to the warning bells that sound in your head. You'll only share the positive things he does when you discuss him with other people. You'll ignore, minimize, or even hide the things he says and does that make you feel uncomfortable, hurt your feelings, or even make you feel afraid. By the time you recognize you're in trouble, you'll be heavily involved with the abuser, and getting away from these guys can be tough. Please remind yourself the warning signs are there if you pay attention. Be willing to learn the red flags. Act on them when or if you see, hear, or sense them. This entire series shows you how easy it is to do that. This knowledge is your new superpower. Like all power, though, it only works if you act on it. I know you can do it. So let's get to the new information I promised you. Let's look at the circles of intimacy. You're listening to the Unmasking the Abuser podcast with Dr. Dina McMillan. A quick reminder, if you have any questions or comments about any of this material, simply email me at unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. That's unmaskingpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. I'm happy to help. Now, to start this new episode, I want you to press pause on your device while you get a few sheets of paper and something to write with. If you can, it would be helpful to have two colors of pen, pencil, marker, or whatever you're using. It doesn't matter which colors you choose. One color will represent your feelings. The other color will represent the feelings of others towards you. On the page, I want you to draw six concentric circles radiating outward, one inside the other, like a dartboard. Make it as big as you can so you can fit more than one name inside each circle. 
draw a tiny circle or star in the middle of the page inside the smallest circle to represent yourself. Fill it in because you won't need to write anything in it. And you need to remember that this exercise is all about you. The other circles represent your relationships. The circles for each category should get bigger as they go further out. It's a simple diagram. The closer a circle is to the center, to the little symbol in the middle representing you, the more important that relationship is to your life. Are you ready? The smallest, nearest circle to the center represents intimate others. Make a list on the side somewhere or or even on another piece of paper so you don't take up space inside the circles themselves. Write intimate others and be clear that this is the tiniest circle outside the one representing you. These are the people that are the most important in your life, prioritized first. The next circle out is called close. Write close underneath wherever you wrote intimate others, so you know that this circle represents people whom you love and who are also a high priority. The next circle outside of close is for important. Write that down. These are caring relationships, but not necessarily people with whom you share all of your confidences. For the fifth circle out, write situational. These are people you may appreciate, spend time with, and whose company you may enjoy. But you know if seeing them became less convenient, you probably wouldn't bother very often. The next circle after that is casual. These are people you see and may do things together with only because it's super convenient. You share coffee because your break is at the same time, or you chat on public transport as you travel to work or school, those sort of situations. You don't know much about them personally and can't really be bothered to find out. In the sixth furthest circle, write outsiders. These are people that you may see, but never even find out their last name. They're nodding acquaintances at best and on the periphery of your life. Do you have your circles and your guide to what each circle means? Let's remind ourselves for a moment. At some point in time, we all experience confusion, hurt, and disappointment in our personal relationships. While there's no way to prevent all hurt feelings, much of the pain we experience can be reduced if we have greater balance in our relationships. This means we should try to hold emotions towards others that are fairly consistent with the feelings they have for us. We should aim to love only to the extent that we're loved in return, with the exception of our children. This could strike you as selfish to only give emotionally to the extent that we're given. But if you think about it, it's not. When you care significantly more for someone than they care for you, you'll prioritize their needs, their wants, their desires, their happiness. You'll sacrifice your time, your effort, 
your money for them. They'll be a central factor in your life. If they don't feel the same way about you, eventually you'll feel used, frustrated, exploited, insecure, and unhappy. Your self-esteem will plummet, and that will have a negative effect on all the areas of your life. And let's look at the reverse. Whenever someone cares a lot more for you than you do for them, you may feel uneasy and pressured. They may say the imbalance is just fine with them, but you know better than to believe them. You may feel guilty or self-conscious, especially if you recognize how painful this situation is for them. If most of your relationships are like this, you may feel like you're a bad person. You may also be thinking that it's difficult to control our feelings about other people. We can't consciously choose whom to love or how much. And you're absolutely right. That's true. I'm not asking you to try to stamp down on your emotions or to stoke up love where you really don't feel it. The first step to achieving greater balance isn't about your emotions. Strangely enough, it begins with controlling your actions. As you begin treating others similar to the way they treat you, in most cases, your emotions will begin to level out to match your behavior. Of course, I'm only suggesting you do that if you care more about that person than they seem to care about you. If you don't care for someone else, we're going to talk about what I suggest you do. In no way, form, or fashion am I suggesting that you try to put yourself in a position to care more for someone simply because they care a lot about you. That's not fair to you. And ultimately, it won't be fair to them. In both ways, that's where the circles of intimacy can help. It consists only of two little tests, test one and test two. They're short and they're easy. I'd suggest you do both tests for each person you're considering rather than trying to ask the question for a number of people at the same time. This is a podcast, so you can easily go back and listen again. You'll give a clearer, more accurate answer if you do it that way. The way the circles work is simple. Honestly and frankly answer the questions for each person you're considering. The questions in test one focus on how much you think about someone and what you've done or would do for that person. After you finish test one, I'll help you score it so you can place that person in the appropriate circle. We'll do something similar with test two, but this time we'll be assessing what that person feels about you based on their actions. We can't reliably measure how another person feels about us, but we can certainly see what they do for us and with us. After you get the results of test two, I'm going to also guide and direct you how to place yourself in that person's circle. That's why I recommended you have two colors of pen, pencil, marker, crayon, or whatever you're using. Write the person's name twice 
once in the first color after you finish and get the score for test one, and the second time in the other color after you get the score for test two. You'll easily be able to see whether you and that person have each other in the same circle or not. By doing it that way, you'll also be able to use the same bullseye diagram for a number of people without getting them mixed up. The goal is to notice where there's a significant difference, where you have someone in a much closer circle or they have you in a much closer circle. Feeling differently about each other is the beginning of serious problems. The bigger the distance between the circle placement for the two of you, the more imbalanced the relationship and the more painful it is for the person who cares more. I know these circles work because I use them myself. After I developed this test, I actually used the example of someone I had in my life where I was feeling very exploited, very hurt, very used. By looking at the questions and answering honestly, I realized I had that person in a close circle. They had me in a situational circle. So basically, I was treating them as a priority while they were treating me like an acquaintance. I realized I could not get this person to care more for me than I cared for them. So what I did, I changed my behavior. So let's get to you. Points to keep in mind. The tests are not designed to cause you pain. They're crafted to identify severe relationship imbalance a topic that I believe isn't talked about enough. You have to be ready to face the truth before you use these tests. Sometimes when we have an imbalanced relationship, we avoid admitting it even to ourselves. Perhaps we feel there's nothing we can do to improve it. Sometimes we're afraid to admit the level of emotional discomfort we're experiencing. Maybe we gain significant benefits from that person's affection for us and we're not ready to sacrifice it. Acknowledging something is the critical first step to action, but it doesn't force you to do anything. Remember again, no one is obligated to care for you emotionally regardless of their title or position in your family, mother, father, sister, brother, etc., It would be nice if a blood or a title always resulted in strong attachment, but we know that isn't the case. I still think it's better if we recognize these imbalanced relationships and then take action to move these relationships so that they're back in line. You'll also notice I am not suggesting you're obligated to feel affection for other people. Don't force yourself to place someone in a closer circle because of their title or the fondness you know they have for you. And please stop for a second and take note. These circles are not intended for parent-child relationships. I know I said that already, but it's worth repeating. By design, parent-child relationships are skewed with parents making greater emotional investments than their children. That being said, once their offspring are full adults, 
if this imbalance is dramatic, it will still be a sign of a dysfunctional relationship. I know I've had people question the way I design test two, but really the only accurate way to know how someone feels about us is by looking at their actions. What people say is important, but not nearly as much as what they do. When you finish, if you have several or more people in different circles than they hold you, it's time to do some thinking. Your relationships are uncomfortable, and they could be emotionally unhealthy. You may not have anyone in the circle closest to you. You may not have anyone in the next circle either. That's neither right nor wrong. The circles of intimacy are provided simply to establish the truth. The only wrong answer is a dishonest one. Remember, your goal is to achieve balance. You want the closest match between yourself and the other people in your life. Ideally, every adult in your life should place you in the same circle where you've placed them. If not, you'll have work to do, and we'll talk about that at the end. Now let's get to the tests, starting with test one. Okay, this next section is worth five points each, and I'll remind you so you can tally it up when you get to the end. You may want to take the calculator out on your phone. Question one. You'd freely make life changes if it would accommodate this person's needs or to maintain the relationship. By life changes, I mean major shifts. You'd move somewhere else. You'd change your job or even get a new career. Number two, you'd trust this person with your deepest secrets. Number three, you're committed to your relationship with this person for life. Four, you don't hesitate to make sacrifices for this person, including your time, money, effort, and other resources. Five, you miss this person when you are separated even for a day. Six, this person knows you very well, including your strengths and weaknesses and little details about you. Seven, if anything happened to this person, you feel you'd never be the same. Eight, your holiday or vacation plans always include this person. Nine, when someone becomes important to you, you make sure they meet this person. Ten, at times you're willing to place this person's needs before your own. Okay, that's it for section one. So tally up five points each and let's move to section two. Section two is only three points each. Eleven, you think about this person every day, even if you don't see them. Twelve, if you see something you think this person would like, you'll buy it or make a note to get it for them in the near future. Thirteen, you don't mind doing things for this person, even when it's not really convenient for you. Fourteen, you want this person to contact you if they're ever in need or in trouble, and of course you'll help. Fifteen, 
You'll risk this person's anger to tell them what you believe they need to hear. 16. You know all of this person's faults and weaknesses, and you still care about them. 17. You make a genuine effort to contact this person often. 18. You put real time and energy into getting something special for this person for holidays, their birthday, etc. 19. This person is one of the first you contact when something bad happens to you. 20. You find yourself caring for this person more and more as time goes on. All right, that's it for section two. Tally up three points for each yes answer. On to section three, two points each. 21. When you spend time with this person, you walk away smiling. 22. You and this person share most of the same fundamental values. 23. You believe this person is a positive influence in your life. 24. You feel comfortable asking this person for advice. 25. When you do something you know is wrong, you would be embarrassed if this person found out. 26. You feel comfortable being around this person and feel both accepted and appreciated. 27. You and this person often laugh together about everyday things. 28. You and this person can just be together, not doing anything special, and you still enjoy their company. 29. You and this person easily find things to talk about when you're together. 30. At times, you and this person can just be together, not saying anything, not doing anything, and it's perfectly comfortable for both of you. Okay, add them up. Remember, it was two points for each yes answer. Let's get to section four, one point each. 31. Most of your interactions with this person are enjoyable. 32. You've known this person for at least a year and you still enjoy their company. 33. You frequently socialize with this person. 34. You've met this person's partner and they've met yours. If this person is your current romantic partner, substitute parents for partner. 35. You're able to talk easily with this person about mutual interests. 36. You share the same political or philosophical values with this person. 37. You share the same life goals or ambitions with this person. 38. You share the same beliefs about how others should be treated with this person. 39. You and this person often complain about everyday things that are wrong. 40. You know the basic background details about this person, their middle name, how much education they've completed, their work specialty, what area of town they live in. Now the subtotal for section four, it's one point for each yes answer. Okay, it's time to combine all of the subtotal scores 
paying attention to the different values for the questions in each section. The higher the score, the greater the affection you have for this person. Do you have the total? Okay. Intimate, 70 or more points. Close, 46 to 69 points. Important, 30 to 45 points. Situational, 16 to 29 points. Casual, 9 to 15 points. Outsiders, 0 to 8 points. Now let's move to test two and see how that person feels about you. Section one again is five points each. Number one, within the past five years, this person has made at least one major life change to meet your needs or to maintain their relationship with you. Two, this person consults with you prior to making any major life changes. Three, when you need something, this person notices and helps out before you ask. Four, this person regularly makes sacrifices for you, including their time, money, effort, and other resources. Five, when you're separated for even a day, this person does their best to contact you. Six, this person sometimes places your needs above theirs. Seven, this person shares personal information with you that is very private, possibly even embarrassing to them. Eight, this person always includes you in their holiday vacation plans. Nine, if you need something important and ask this person, they'll do everything they can to help you out or even get it for you. Number 10, when the two of you have a disagreement, this person usually makes the first move to smooth things over. So, subtotal section one with five points for each yes answer. Now let's get to section two worth three points each. Number 11. This person notices if you're upset or under a lot of stress and will do nice things to help you feel better. 12. This person will defend you if anyone criticizes you, but they won't hesitate to tell you something challenging privately if they believe you need to hear it. 13. If you have a crisis and you contact this person, they'll help you without thought or hesitation. 14. This person asks you how you are and really listens to your answers. 15. This person makes a big deal of your birthday and spends a lot of thought choosing something for you on major holidays. By the way, before we move on to 16, that does not mean they necessarily spend a lot of money. 16. If this person does something that bothers you and you say something about it, they'll put real effort into not repeating that behavior. 17. This person contacts you often, once a day if you live together, or more than once a week if you don't. 18. This person prioritizes spending time with you over spending time with other people. 19. This person spends a lot of time talking to you about what they want 
in their future. 20. This person is honest and open with you about what's happening in their life. Total it up. Three points for each yes answer in that section. Moving on to section three. Each of these is worth two points each. 21. You're one of the first people contacted by this person when something happens to them, good or bad. 22. They tell you that they genuinely enjoy your company. 23. You and this person laugh at the same things and find the same things troubling. 24. This person has been willing to try something or give up something due to your influence. 25. This person asks for advice and often follows your suggestions. 26. This person knows and remembers your food preferences or drink preferences and other little details about you. 27. When you go out in a group, this person makes sure to sit close or interact with you frequently. 28. This person introduces you to people they admire and respect. 29. This person invites you to their work functions. 30. You've stayed overnight at this person's house. So subtotal section three, giving two points for each yes answer. Now on to section four. These are one point each and don't worry, we're almost done. 31. When this person is having a party or other social event, you're always invited. 32. When you meet other friends of this person, they tell you they've heard about you already, indicating this person talks about you to others. 33. You share the same political position as this person and support similar causes. 34. This person says they enjoy going out and having a good time with you. 35. This person spends time just catching up with you. They don't only contact you when they want something. 36. When you and this person have plans, they don't cancel at the last minute unless they have an emergency. 37. This person will sometimes tell you, I thought about you when I saw or heard this. 38. This person will attend your important events and even some of your unimportant ones, parties, barbecues, etc. 39. This person is willing to be one of your sponsors when you do charitable fundraising. 40. If you find a new cause or a new income source, this person is willing to listen to what you have to say or consider buying what you're selling. So the subtotal for section four, one point for each yes answer. Now tally them all up. The scoring here is pretty much the same as for test one. The only difference is this is about how that person feels about you. So again, write that person's name. Intimate, 70 or more points. Close, 46 to 69 points. 
important, 30 to 45 points. Situational, 16 to 29 points. Casual, 9 to 15 points. And let's not forget the outsiders, 0 to 8 points. Well, how did it go? Did you find any surprises? Were you brutally honest with yourself so the test would be accurate and useful? Let's talk for a moment about a way to maintain personal integrity if you realize someone holds you in a closer circle. Just don't ask or accept anything from them that you wouldn't freely give them in return. You may be tempted in certain situations to ask for or accept what they're freely offering, knowing they're doing it out of a genuine fondness for you. Resist that temptation. If you give in, you may be guilty of using and exploiting that person. If you don't want to feel taken advantage of and mistreated, don't offer your support to someone without first determining how they feel about you. If they have you in a further circle, don't go out of your way to make them happy. Resist the urge to rescue or assist them if it's costly or inconvenient for you. Protect yourself through your actions until your emotions can get time to begin to match theirs. The rule of thumb is this. Let the person who cares least dictate the terms. You can't control your heart, but you can control your willingness to be taken for granted or taken advantage of by someone else. If you're the one who cares least, you can still be a good person and not knowingly use and exploit someone else. If you have any questions or comments about the test or your results, feel free to contact me at unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's unmaskingpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. I can respond directly, or we may even use your questions or comments as the focus of a future episode. Speaking of episodes, Next time, I'm going to return to a topic I've mentioned briefly in a past episode. It came up in conversation with my co-author of my new But He Says He Loves Me Too, Dr. Carolyn West. We were talking about the way abusers will often stretch and bend to pretend to be someone they're not in order to lure someone into a relationship. She also mentioned a chilling book by Robert Greene called The Artist's Seduction, where he instructs his readers to use psychological tricks to lure someone into bed or into a relationship. I thought, ooh, that's interesting. So we'll talk about it next time. It will be a fascinating episode, so I hope you'll join me. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan. 